everybody out there, it's time for Star Wars All In, the podcast where we go all in on all the details of Star Wars, one topic at a time. My name is Mac, I'm one of your hosts today, and I'm joined by my fellow crystal collector, Ross. Mac, it is great to be back today. It's pretty rad. We just had a shipment show up from the edge of of space the edge of the yeah the yeah. edge of the known galaxy yeah no there's a smuggler's port where we got some cool stuff in because we're very excited to share that with you in yeah. the future in fact stick around uh for the end of the show today maybe we'll talk about it a little bit more yeah but before we get there we have three topics that i think both of us we're extremely excited about. Normally, stoked. we have one topic that we both really like, and then one topic that each leans more towards one of us. Well, today, we aligned on three <laughs> yes. fantastic topics. We are going to lead off by talking about the Geonosian Arena, the Arena mm-hmm. of Justice. But the- not everything. We're just going to focus <laughs> on when people are getting killed. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the nice, family-friendly, PG-rated execution. Yeah, the PG-rated execution. Yeah. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that. And then, Mac, what comes second? Zuvio, our favorite constable of the galaxy. Uh, You'll hear why we love Zuvio so much. And if you don't know who Count Zuvio is, Mac. I'm so so happy that we get to be your first impression of Count Count Zuvio. Mac, he is not a count. He's not a count. He is not a count. (laughs) I, you know what? What I, is with this? I keep doing that. I don't know. I, you know what? I'm going to probably keep doing that. I'm sorry. It's just because I want it. Constables kind of doesn't hang in my mouth. I don't know. All right. All right. He is a count. He's not a count. He is <laughs> See, a constable. No. No. Constable Zuvio, the best lawman, only lawman on Jakku. How can we convince people how much we love Zuvio if you don't even know what he's called? Well, we're going to get all into a bit talking <sighs> about it just okay. in a minute. And, and that's then after not all. Zuvio. <laughs> We've got some talk about some some rocks. We're going to talk about the most uh-huh. important rocks in Star mm-hmm. Wars. Not talking about gem and the holograms, no. No, no, no. We are talking about, about kyber crystals. Kyber crystals. So, Mac, how long did we talk about each of these? So the thing about it is right now, the way it looks, coming at you in these next segments, is we're going to have a conversation about the Geonosian Arena for probably about uh, half an hour, and then we're going to talk about Console Zuvio for about 20 minutes, and then we have another 20-minute segment, which is all about kyber crystals. Beautiful. I'm excited. I hope everyone else is too. Me too. I, I can't wait to get started, and we're going to get started right after this. I was beginning to wonder if you'd got my message. I retransmitted it just as you had requested, Master. Then we decided to come and rescue you. Good job. Hello, Star Wars fans. Welcome back to another segment. We have one of my favorite moments Mm. in all of the Star Wars saga coming up tonight. From Episode 2, Attack of the Clones, we have the... Geonosian Arena. Mac, you've seen Attack of the Clones. I have. You've seen this execution or attempted execution take place. (laughs) Do you like the Geonosian Arena that we're going to be talking about tonight? I love the Geonosian Arena. (laughs) Okay, I do too. I wanted to make sure we were on the same page. We'll come back to that in a minute. 
So let's talk a little bit about what we're going to be discussing. Okay. We are going to focus on one very particular segment of okay. Attack of the Clones, specifically starting at one hour, 44 minutes into the movie, Padme, Anakin have just separated from having their passionate kiss before their potential execution, okay. their perceived demise. They are young. They're in love. They're afraid. Well, I don't think they're actually afraid. They seem pretty confident. But it's a life-threatening situation. Hormones are flying. The music has swelled. And now we are moving into the Geonosian arena. We are going to go all the way through till we see Mace Windu's boots. So okay, basically, so we're going to talk about the attempted execution of Obi-Wan Kenobi, Anakin Skywalker. So we're not going Pat all the Man way back well. for them on the cart with Across the Stars playing. You're saying like right after they're chained, essentially. Essentially, right as they're crossing through the archway okay, into so that arena filled with all those uh, Geonosians that are screaming and flapping okay, their wings. I think, yeah. I think I know what you're talking about. Okay, okay, so they've survived the droid factory. Yeah, Anakin's, Anakin's lost, lost his lost lightsaber. Again, yeah. they've, gotten, they've got surrounded by SPDs, super battle droids, and now they're being taken out to the arena, yeah. and we see them in this little cart, which is just there to make it slow and nice as Across the Stars, one of the best pieces of Star Wars music, plays. And they're just like, great. you know, if anything happens, I like, like, like you. I like, like you too. Yeah, that part. Yeah, We're starting okay. right after that. So now that you've painted that beautiful word picture, thank you. So Anakin, Padme being brought out into the arena. The mm -hmm. Geonosians are screaming. They're flapping their wings. They have a lust for blood. And we they want this. And we see there are pillars in the middle. Right. And Obi-Wan Kenobi already there, already chained up. Yeah, because the last time we saw him, he was like in the zero G prison just floating around. And Duke was like, I can't help you if you're not a part of the Sith. Once again, another example of a Sith trying to be honest with someone, trying to come forward, and the Jedi just not wanting to see it. Right. And again, you have this giant arena, because it's really interesting, because like, who knew that Geonosis is going to have this like freaking Colosseum here? You know what that Colosseum is called, Mac? Because apparently no. it has a couple of names. A couple? So, as a child, <laughs> okay. seeing episode two, and then subsequently talking about it with my friends, Yeah. Um, we just called it the Geonosian Arena yeah. or the Battle Arena, I think, was tossed around. Well, I think apparently in the Star Wars Ultimate Guide from 2015, it was first called the Pentraki, sorry, Petronaki Arena. Petronaki. All right. Tell me how you think this is said. P-E-T-R-A-N-A-K-I. Petronaki. Petronaki. That sounds more... The Petronaki Arena. That sounds more in line with some of the other Geonosian words. Yeah, Petronaki. Okay, I think we'll stick with that. Someone can correct us if we're wrong. Petronaki Arena. Now, this is not something you missed. This was not in Attack of the Clones. This no one says first this. first referenced and written in the 2015 Ultimate Guide. I have that guide. Pablo I opened Hod it up. I checked. It is in there. Pablo Hidalgo or one of his kind went and wrote that name and said, that's what it's called now. Except it was christened for. and we move forward. Perfect. It is also referred to as the Arena of Justice in the Star Wars oh. Galactic Defense role playing game. Oh, so what you're saying is that it 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 serves as a form of crime and punishment. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. The Geonosians they work hard. Eventually, they're going to build a Death Star. You know, they mean an ultimate weapon. They're busy. <laughs> they're busy. Uh, hundred thousand seating capacity in that arena. 
Dang. Okay. And there are only like a dozen sporting arenas in the world. And when I say the world, I mean our our world, uh, not the Star Wars galaxy that can seat that many. And oddly enough, they're mostly college football arenas. I would not have guessed that. I'm not. A, I mean, I watch hockey, and that's like twenty thousand max for the most part. So, right. you know, we don't get crowds you would have thought like it was that. Like, like uh, European football or something. That would be. I thought like maybe. Um, I don't. Yeah, yeah. Some a place I've never been to. I've never seen a, sh- a show or an event that big, a sporting event. But yeah, uh, like Texas college football. Um, yeah, you know, a lot of those kind of areas. Because even like Olympic stadiums, thing. I think are on like the eighty mark. Yeah, even the biggest ones, right? It's it's hard to fathom, I think, if you've never seen and it, it shows and just I you, never have. How many dang bugs want to go see this bloodlust? They're into it. This is their sport. This is their whatever. Well, and one it. of the things we see is we see the lively nature of that as they're, like, flying around and stuff because everyone takes their seats from flying. So there's no, like, you know, like, there's no what they call vomitoriums, the, the like, all the uh, backwards gates and stuff to get into the stadiums at different levels. They don't need that. Just fly. They just fly to where they need to go. It makes getting to your car a breeze. Oh yeah. You just leave just to hop over the back and just fly. But they're all drunk. They're all probably lots of fights. It's probably like after a Bruins game. Can a bug get drunk? I don't know. I don't know what the Geonosians are about. Well, wait, 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 we know they get really, well, we we know they get really high on the violence. So maybe that's its own little high. Uh, Yeah. The blood is what brings that. Because like you said, they're screaming like this is, this is Ben-Hur on steroids as far as the crowd fervor. Well, specifically, I want to point out some of the sound design in this last, I mean, just this whole rest of this film. It's fantastic. I mean, what Star Wars movie doesn't have fantastic sound effect and stuff, but I mean, some of the things we're going to talk about in a minute, I want to call out some specifics, but we have uh, Padme getting chained up and we see she's prepared. She's got a little, I don't know, space paper clip that she's keeping. Yeah, a space bobbing pin. Yeah, so she can uh, pick her locks and she, uh, right as the execution starts... We see some animals or some some beasts, some aliens, some right. creatures. This is, this is after we get that great moment where Obi-Wan's like, good job, great rescue. <laughs> and Anakin's like, well, good to see you too, well, Master. I, I did what you wanted. I transmitted the message, and then uh, we came after you. Padme made me. Well, she seems to have things in hand. <laughs> oh, it's good. Good. And you, you said the three beasts come out, which yeah. is... Star Wars is really cool as a universe because one of the things that they really do is they care about the living things. It's not mm-hmm. all about tech and stuff. Mm-hmm. So here's three super interesting creatures that have never been seen in Star Wars that are all these interesting amalgams of like um, different character types or uh, not character, animal types, all kind of mixed into something that's not yeah, actually they have different very... types of inspiration. And the thing I like about it specifically is they don't. These animals don't feel like they belong on Geonosis. No. These feel like species they've imported. I mean, this is the equivalent of they had someone like Han who brought the Raptars to King Prana. This is like King a, Prada was ordering yeah. stuff like this. So Poggle the Greater was definitely asking for this stuff to be brought. Or is it Poggle uh, the Lesser? Poggle the Lesser, I think. Is there a Poggle, Poggle the Greater, the though? Uh, probably. I know there's Pax. I mean, Sun. his father was Poggle the Greater, probably. That's probably true. Yeah. Okay, so Poggle, anyway, you know Poggle's so, importing the, these premium specimens yeah. from other parts of the galaxy. I mean, you have to. you got a 100,000 sellout crowd every execution. A planet, yeah, and on a planet that red, you're not going to get something that green and that blue. Yeah, that's exactly what, that's what I was thinking too. So who are they executing? They have this arena. Like how many t- people are, like are they just... Also, uh, they're into the blood. Axed? Here's my thing: is they're into the blood sport of this. But like, if you've got them chained up to a pillar, how interesting is this? Well, they we'll re- find out. Very. 
Well, no, no. For our heroes, yes, who get it out of that. But in in the way it's supposed to play out, the three animals just come up to the three pillars and eat the three victims, and then I guess belch and go home. Like maybe it's like that game where you have the ball tied to the top of the pole and you just have to hit it back and forth. Maybe you just try and run around as long as possible before the thing eats you. I I don't know. But we don't get to see that because we've got... Okay, let's talk about our three creatures. Yes. So, so the got... only one that looks like it belongs, even remotely, is the Reek. I agree. So that's the one that it's kind of red and brown. It looks sort of like a rhinoceros-bull uh, combo. Yeah, it's somewhere between like a rhinoceros... Um, like you said, a bull, because it's got the three horns. It's kind of got, like, the kind of front sort of rhinoceros-looking kind yeah. of, like, snout. But then it's got the primary horns of the ones coming out from the side of its head. Yeah. Uh, so, scary. Probably the one I would want to be up against the most if this was me. Now, I would I would die pretty quickly no matter We'd what. We'd be dead. Yeah. But at least that one, I feel like it's going to charge me. And if I can like jump out of the way roll out of the way maybe i stand a chance for a couple passes whereas like if if i get stuck with the nexus the nexu oh boy that is nexu that's how it's, it's pronounced. nexu hmm. yeah the, the the which is this big kind of like bluish white furred it's kind of like a cat, except it has more of a rat tail. And then it's got this cat, giant, rat, like lizard combo. It's got this yeah. giant, like clam, like mouth. That's just full of teeth. <laughs> Yeah. Well, the, the mouth is weirdly disproportionately large and wide. Yes. I, I know exactly what you mean. You're right. It's got a weird. Well, it's weird. It's unsettling. It's yeah, it's creepy. It's, it's almost it's, got like a almost like a whale's mouth. or The something other like ones that. feel like classic classic sort of space monsters. This feels like it's out of like Critters 4. <laughs> like that's how that's what I'm yeah, it's, thinking it's of, kind of know? an amalgam because in some weird way like you want to see it as almost cute but then it's got the multiple yeah. eyes on top of its head and like yeah. it it's a weird critter but yeah. again very unique and interesting to me the most terrifying and it definitely does the most damage to our heroes well because it's also it seems like the fastest and the most clever yeah, out of and them for us speed is not going to be our no no we will <laughs> fail at that okay and then we have the acclay which yeah. I think is the one that most people seem to remember. That seems to be the take home. Mostly, I think, because of the well, great color. And it also it tends to be the one that when you look at the fight, when you stand back, it's the one that like survives the longest. It seems like it holds up the most fight, which isn't really true, but it's more of the fact that like it seems like it might have the most screen time. Yeah, you know, I rewatched this and I didn't. I can tell you it has some of the best sound design. That sound it makes. Yeah, oh, I love it. And it's kind of this just giant like, is it four legged or six legged? Four legged? I think oh, it's four legged yeah. yeah. and it's kind of got these just very pincery, like sharp spikes for, for arms. And the whole thing of it has got a more insect like feel. It's kind of like a giant, like praying mantis or grasshopper is what it's sort of built out of. Praying mantis feels right. Um, and then it's got that big giraffe neck and then those very legs, like six legs, six, six legs. Yeah. Uh, and then it's got that really meshed mouth. Like it's got teeth that they're almost mm -hmm, like on the outside mm -hmm. and they just lock into each other like mm -hmm. um, for gnashing and stuff like that. It's 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 mouth kind of looks like a fly trap. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's fly kinda trap. What, that's kind of what it looks like to me. Um, I mean, it's pointy. It's got teeth. I mean, it's not exactly the same, but something about the way it closes is kind of what makes me think that. And I like the color. I like that green. Color. Well, the green really pops against yeah. all of Genosis is very red brown. It's very uh, the planet Mars. You know what? What's up? It's so weird. In some of these pictures, it, it it no, it's definitely six. This one is just really hard to see. The scene when it first comes out of the gate. 
Yeah. The one side looks like two, but the other side, if you look closely, you can see three. It's almost like well, yeah. one is an animated or something. It's kind of hard to see. But well, anyway. I think there's two supporting legs that you don't see much of because the biggest thing is it will fight with its two front yeah, uh, legs and sure. it will lose one. Uh, well, that's mm-hmm. so that's sort of what happens next. You kind of see that these animals, whether by training or just by an agreement between them, well, they sort being of divvy prodded. up. Yeah, well, they're being poked and led towards each. But they kind of end up picking one. Like, so we end up with each hero sort of gets yeah. paired off with one. Padme sort of has to deal with the Nexu. Obi-Wan sort of ends up with the Acklay. And oh, Anakin has to deal with the Reek for the most part. Yeah. Now, Anakin, let's go through each one. So Anakin has kind of the quickest fix. The Reek charges. He jumps up, does a little somersault, wraps the chain around the horn. And after the pillar basically stuns it for a minute and he basically rodeos it. Yeah, he's up and running and he's out taking out guards with the reek, riding it around. Then we have Obi-Wan in the Ackley. So it's got those those pincer, those sharp arms and it's swinging at it. He's rolling. He's dodging. He's doing what he can. Yep. Right. Eventually he gets him to. Hit the chain. Cut the chain. And, and then Obi-Wan free. with just like the handcuff things. I think he has to deal with those for a little bit. He's yeah, just he wears around. them. He grabs one of the stun sticks. Yes. The prods like the cattle prog from the guard. Yeah, which the one guard gets wiped out by one of them. What is it? Is it the Nexu? Well, Anakin hits a guard with the reek. Okay. Um, right when it's coming out of the gate, the Nexu eats a guard. I'm pretty yeah, sure like okay. jumps on it. And then the Ackley stabs a guard at some point, because I think you have a Wilhelm screen there, if I remember correctly. I think correctly, you do, too. yes. I just watched it like two days ago to take notes, and now I can't remember. I should have made a note of that, but I'm pretty sure that's where it is in that battle. Gotcha. Uh, and then Padme, who definitely gets the most beat up, climbs, undoes her handcuffs, climbs well, yeah, to the Yeah, she top. had her lockpick, so she does that, and then she takes a defensive position. Basically uses the, the chain to climb up on top of the pillar. Makes sense, right? Get up high. Unfortunately, she got the one thing that can climb. It jumps. And it's, that's what it's attempts. doing. It's like doing, like, climbing <clears> like a tree. It, like, goes up, pulls on its claws, and then, like, kind of slides down the pillar, mm-hmm. and then just keeps clambering mm-hmm. its Getting way further Getting closer up. each time, yeah. So, eventually, gets her across the back, because we have to tear the midsection of that shirt. Well, for the record, I... Yeah, is it kind of pandering? Yes, but I think it's actually such a great little nod to the Flash Gordon series we're talking about. It is one of the most convenient, you know, um, wardrobe malfunctions in Star Wars. Yeah, and, you know, it's not something that's overly done. Star Wars is really in no way overly sexualized, in my opinion. And it was, and she gets a a midriff. It's not, it's, yeah, it's fine. The tightness of the outfit, I think, is more Christian mom groups will have a problem with that. That in general. Then they will. Or the the outfit when they're in the fireplace room. I don't know how to describe oh, it. Oh, with the, the big like choker around her yeah, neck. Yeah, yeah. The low cut. Like, I, that's well, again, way worse. I don't think she does anything in this movie that's yeah. particularly like, again, over the top. I mean, no, especially in all. a world we live in of sports bras and yoga pants are considered outdoor clothes. Yeah. Like and nothing it, of this is too In bad. 1983, the princess was in a metal bikini. Right. Nothing comes close and again, to that. And same thing. Not trying yeah. to. It never makes the character a sex object or anything like that. Yeah. But it definitely is about homaging a period where that was more the norm yeah absolutely absolutely and that was one of the best things well we don't need to get into that now but the point is so she does still (laughs) she still gets the scratches it rips basically the middle section of her stuff out and she starts using the whip to sort of like the chain as a whip at it yeah and she i mean that's a nasty cut those are three deep slices but not nearly as deep as the claws on that thing could have gotten oh yeah that could rip you right apart so anakin comes over 
yep. with the reek, kills the Nexu. Yep. Padme makes an impossibly far jump. I mean, she jumps off the top of that pillar and lands legs spread on the reek. How is her entire pelvis not cracked or destroyed? Well, it's a couple of things. You're assuming that gravity on Geonosis is equal to Earth. Fair, fair. And then fair. two movie about space wizards. Uh, and the other thing I would also say about it is it's also like it's such a cliche of how many horses backs should have been shattered by Hollywood by people jumping on horses from. Yeah, you can't really do that, right? You can't jump off of a no. train onto a horse. Would you would you want a child to jump 10 feet off of the ground onto your back? No, no. I've had my wife jump on my back and, and that's too much. That was too much. No. So, like I said, it's, yeah, her pelvis should have been shattered, but it's kind of like, I don't know, she breaks her fall with Anakin, the gravity's different, and the reek's really more comfortable than it looks. <laughs> okay, I can I can get on board with that. So. And so, th- at this point, they sort of need to go help Obi-Wan, because he's yeah, dealing with the he's only. He's dealing with the hardest beast. You know what, there is one other thing I want to point out here, though. Before Anakin gets back on, before Anakin gets on to the reek. Yeah. He sort of puts his hand out. He's trying to calm it. Yeah. You notice that part? Yeah, yeah. As a kid, I always thought he was using the force. Right. To try and calm it and relate to it, okay? Right. And he's like, oh, listen, creature, we need yeah. not need fight. I am but a noble Jedi. But I, over the years rewatching it, once he jumps on the animal, all of a sudden that animal is mad. Not happy. So is that what's happening or he's just using the force to calm it and then it breaks out of that? Yeah. Trance, yeah. Or... What is your take on that? I don't know. Before I saw the movie Jurassic World, I would have just assumed it's the force. But maybe he's just staring it down like old animal trainer style, huh. making eye contact and just saying, whoa, there, big fella. Maybe Reeks are from Tatooine. I'm sure that's in something. Somewhere. Wait, does he do that? It says, is it... was that with the Reek or the Yakle? He's doing that with the Reek. It's before oh, he okay. rides it. Right, right, yeah, right, right. It's right, kind right, of right. like snorting. It's shaking its head. Uh, well, it's right again, after it breaks. Reek, right after he breaks free from the pillar. The reek looks like it's definitely from an arid world. So maybe, yeah, maybe it's just the fact that like Obi Wan knows, or maybe he's worked with these animals before. We don't know. Yeah. Okay. So basically, Anakin, Obi Wan go to work trying to fend off the beast. Mm-hmm. Things aren't. You know, they're holding their own, but things aren't looking so good. And then all of a sudden, we cut to a hallway shot, some boots, a robe. Yep. And you got Master Windu walking in, and that's where we're going to end it. Now, that entire sequence is just under five minutes. Yeah. So that entire action beat of them yeah. surviving this this gladiatorial execution. If you had asked me before I went back and rewatched it, I would have said 10 to 12. Easy. Yeah. It just feels like a lot happens couple of Obi-Wan jokes, you know, a couple yeah, yeah. of quips, uh, some good action moments, some great sound design, some really cool effects. Everything still looks good to this day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like it. I like it a lot. So the thing I like about Attack of the Clones in general, and I understand why some people don't like it, is I adore old um, radio shows, dime novels, like 
the old classic Republic cereals in which yeah. like George Lucas was weaned. And there is a certain amount of cheese that goes through all like campiness. That's all about Attack of the Clones. I don't have any problem describing Attack of the Clones as the most campy Star Wars. Right. And I think it, but and I think the problem people don't get is that's a tone that was chosen on purpose. So the idea of like, again, if this was a Republic cereal, it would open with, you know, the text crawling back to the thing. Our heroes find themselves in the arena of death. Geonosians are going to execute them with fantastic beasts of murderous intent. Can Anakin, Padme, Obi-Wan survive this horror? Find out now. And you can't tell me for one second that the original trilogy didn't have an abundance of this campiness. Well, this is just, this is what a budget and digital technology could get is in some vision in probably George Lucas's head, the Sarlacc has the same beat as this. Yeah. The idea of like, look at these vile people that use blood sport as their entertainment. And we're going to just murder people for our own amusement. How disgusting is that? And this is just taking that to, we can afford a Coliseum. We've seen gladiator as a movie in visual vocabulary. We know it makes that makes a really cool action set piece for a film. Mm-hmm. And now we can make a movie that has that, but with this fantastic space environment with all these very inhuman bugs. So it's very creepy that they're all into this because we can't relate to them at all. Bugs are as far away from the human experience as you get. And then you've got this nice little like emperor's balcony where you've got Poggle the Lesser and Dooku (laughs) and Jango watching this. And what I love about that the entire time, how nervous the Trade Federation guys are that they're not dying yet. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. And, and then, like I said, yeah. you hook them up to this these pillars and stuff, and you release these fantastic animals. And we, as a people, having seen Gladiator only, that would have been, what, two, three years before this. Yeah. Um, we were very hyped on the idea of, like, oh, the feeding the people to the, you know, feeding the Christians to the lions is terrifying. Mm-hmm. And it just made for a really effective set piece. But, again, it's totally, like, you know, episode 37, the arena of death. <laughs> like, I love how kind of. The arena of justice, Mac. Well. The arena, but I'm just saying, like, no, I know, the, I know the, what you're saying. the over hyperbole of like, why would they just shoot them with a blaster? This is the age old James Bond villain problem of like, just shoot them, just kill them right now. And it's like, well, no, that's not what we do. Why? That's not interesting and doesn't allow the heroes a chance to fantastically escape and defeat us later. It's just cool because it's it's campy and fun, and I that's love right. that about Attack of the Clones. And I think people take. Some people take Star Wars too seriously, and some of the, I guess, lightheartedness of relatively serious scenes, like, you know, the love pledge as they're coming in, where, like, Anakin and Padme have finally said, like, we're in actual love. And John Williams surges the love theme for them as they're being drawn out to this, this, you know, murder spot. And then we have a dumb action beat that's all about jokes with them and then them sort of kind of not easily but like defeating this in a way that like you could just tell the bugs like what is happening this can't be happening are they allowed to do that that's against the rules we just want the murder to happen in a timely fashion right i i have a lunch date i can't watch this murder all day (laughs) well they're busy they're constructing super weapons this is a coffee break yeah they gotta be back in 15 (laughs) (laughs) well like we said they can get in out quick that's true. There's no need to open the and doors they an do. hour early. And they do. In the scene that follows this, they leave pretty dang quick. Yeah, that arena empties when the real blood spilling begins. So I, that... think, I think we might circle back to what, because I see what you're saying. We have basically, when this scene is over, 
we begin the Battle of Geonosis. Yes. And that is a topic for another time. Absolutely. And we will talk about it. Oh, yeah. Because there's a lot of lightsabers. Oh, there's the most lightsabers I think we've ever or may ever get on screen. For a while, at least. Well, with having uh, all of that being said, yeah. let's move on to something else, Mac. All right. That's what I heard singing. Like the one in my lightsaber did when I found it. These crystals store and amplify energy, so one this big is probably unstable. Put your blasters away. All right, let's talk about one of the most mysterious, powerful, and personal items around the Jedi Order. Of course, I'm talking about what is right in my hand. What is this, Ross? What am I holding? This little yellow is pebble. Is that a death stick? It's not a death stick. Oh, you don't, what is you don't that? want to sell me death sticks. This is Galaxy Edge's interpretation of a kyber oh, crystal. That, is that a yellow kyber crystal? It is a yellow kyber Did crystal. Did you get that from Galaxy's Edge? From it was Black smuggled Spire? to me. But yes, a friend of ours uh, smuggled this back for me. And uh, it's really cool. So kyber crystals are kind of now official in canon. They're at the heart of pretty much every lightsaber. Yes. Um, yes. Even the dark side ones are all kyber crystals now. Yes. Uh, which, just to say, they weren't originally the only kind of crystal that could power a lightsaber. Because we used to have Adegan crystals, which are from like Tales of the Jedi. They're old crystals. Uh, we also had synthetic crystals that they used to make the original red lightsabers is how this stuff will work but in canon we've we've really i guess made this a big big part of the story by making kyber crystals sort of this magical maybe living maybe force connected rock that could arguably be one of the most powerful one of the most powerful things in the galaxy yeah i mean there's so much lore to it now. Yeah, because we so always much... knew lightsabers had crystals, but they never were a big thing. And somewhere in canon, I don't remember where, is kyber crystals. I think maybe maybe the novelization of Return of the Jedi or Hair to the Empire brought it up. But, like, they've been kyber crystals for a while. Yeah, that name has been around, but sort of the way they work and their purpose has been different. I think where we really should start is with the Clone Wars episodes. Yeah, I think that's really the best place to start to get an overview of what kyber crystals are now. So crystals, there is essentially a three episode arc in season five. Yes. Where Ahsoka is taking a team of Padawans, younglings, younglings really. who are becoming yeah. Padawans yeah. to get there. They're, they're no longer just going to use the training sabers that are in the temple. They're no longer Cub Scouts. They're becoming Weeblos. Yeah. Yeah. They need to get their pocket knife. Yeah. So they're going to pick out their crystals on Ilum, which Ilum was sort of introduced in the Jenny Tarkovsky Clone War series as this place where there are crystals. And mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure in then in Canon, they were Ilium crystals. And that was a type of lightsaber crystal. That was not necessarily the same as kyber crystals, but now in 
current canon thanks to that Clone Wars episode, it's them going and finding their crystals. Yeah, it, it they essentially have to go on a force quest. They Harry right. Pottered it up. They, yeah. they, the crystal chooses you, not the other way around. Yeah, I mean, crystals don't take on a color until the Jedi is Like activates selected. them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. essentially, right? That was something we see in canon. We see that uh, Sith now, rather than having synthetic crystals, have... They, they bleed them. Yeah, and this is something I actually really like. When you think of the kyber crystal as a living thing, the yes. idea that the dark side is imbuing their energy onto it, they're making it hurt. They're and, wounding it. And that's why it turns red. And then also, in the Ahsoka novel, mm-hmm. Ahsoka is able to take a bled crystal from the Sixth Brother. She steals it from him. She destroys so the Inquisitors. And she turns them back. And that's how she gets her white crystals. Oh, they're, they're like purified red crystals. Uh-huh. Oh, that's uh-huh. cool. Isn't that interesting? That is so really cool. they're really building up crystals in canon. We also have recently Master and Apprentice, which introduces mm-hmm. essentially a variant. It's not Kyber. It's something very, very close that uh, essentially people are mistaking for Kyber. And mm-hmm. essentially, it when put in a lightsaber, as we see, uh, slight spoilers. I'm not going to go super into detail here because <laughs> I don't want to ruin it. Uh, I'm not even. Gonna, I'm not going to say much. Uh, but in Master and Apprentice, towards the end, there's a moment where a character ends up with one of these crystals in their lightsaber. And it essentially, they don't end up really using it for much. It plays into the plot more than anything. Yeah. But it's very clearly not Kyber. It will not work the right as way. a lightsaber. It will not cut through things. Yeah, because Kyber are not necessarily living things, but they're they're connected to the living force because this is the reason that like... I would, I would argue that in current canon, it's implied that they are not... That living force flows through them. Yeah. That because, they are sentient in a way. Because the Jedi yeah, are connecting to them. It, it's, yeah. it used to be that the Kyber crystals like in were just crystals. And they were used as either the power source or just the the The, the focus, the focus. I would feel like, if I remember um, correctly. Well, it was both. I mean, okay. it, it, it bounced around in, in that, that era of EU. But, I mean, the point of the matter was these crystals were just a component of a lightsaber. And the lightsaber was what the Jedi was connected to. Now we've kind of made it that, like, no, the bridge between this technological device that is a lightsaber and the living force that makes this the Jedi's weapon something that, you know, is like the samurai sword. It's connected to their soul is the crystal. The crystal is the magical metaphysical piece of a lightsaber. Everything else can be power packs and milled aluminum and, you know, focusing emitters and all that kind of stuff. But the crystal is the, the part of the force that lives at the heart of these things. Kind of like, again, Harry Potter, you could make anything out of different wood, but they all have a core. They all have some magical component to the middle of them. Yeah. And I like it. It makes lightsabers feel more personal. Yep. It makes rare distinct colors like Mace Windu's purple feel more important. The- and more logical because, again, he now he activated it. It was his will that made it purple. It isn't he just found a rare one. Uh, yeah, he didn't just pay for it on eBay. He wasn't up and getting a good deal. Right. Yeah. So here's the one thing about the uh, short of, sort of um the wand choosing the wizard moment as you're describing it. Yeah. Does it make all of Anakin's lost slash destroyed sabers seem a little weird? Because we've really, well, not we, Star Wars um, in these last couple of years has sort of deified the Anakin Skywalker, Luke Skywalker saber. 
yes. the one that Ray is currently using. I mean, you know, we've really elevated that to be this thing. And to me, a lightsaber, at least, you know, as a kid watching the original trilogy growing up was a tool. Right. It's it a was piece of equipment. That, yeah, exactly. And it was really cool. Don't get me wrong. But it didn't. Well, the personal connection never felt there. And I think especially episode two made it feel. I mean, at the end of well, episode one. Well, he gets thrown one, an extra lightsaber. Like, here, Lu here, and I can take this lightsaber. You'll be fine. Yeah, you just happen to have it around. I mean, at the end of episode one, Obi-Wan loses his lightsaber. Episode two, Anakin loses four, if you count the two well, at the end. I mean, they didn't feel as personal in my mind, but that's been changed a little bit. Well, but I would also say that you see some of that in... Um, you saw some of that in Harry Potter too, of like a wand never does the best magic, but anyone yeah. can use any any wand. It's not they're not so personalized that they are don't work for anyone else. I guess my thing about it is the way I look at kyber crystals in current the way they've deified them is I look at them as this is a personal thing, and the more you use it, the more attuned it gets to you, and the more the force flows through it, and you flow through the force, and it's sort of like mm -hmm. like a hole between the etherealness of everything that is the force, and you, a creature of midi chlorians who can only communicate with it. It helps like communicate with that ever living force, and so when I see like Anakin, I go, well, he never took this seriously. He never attuned himself. Th this. This is a car to him. He just will get a new one. Well, and, yeah, Obi-Wan even says, this weapon is your life. Right, and Obi-Wan, I'm going to guess Obi-Wan went through the entire ritual again after episode one to get his replacement the way yeah, we would see it now. Yeah. Whereas Anakin would be like, well, okay, and he just goes to Ilum. He's like, nah, you'll do, and comes back. And that's why he keeps going through lightsabers because he doesn't have that connection or respect for the spiritual side of this weapon. Right. And that's why when he's Darth Vader, he builds a really technological, even even his last lightsaber as a Jedi is a much more technological thing. It's not as ornamental. It's not as artistic. You can tell he looked at it a hot rod and just tweaked it to be the best <laughs> machine it could be. And, you know, basically redoes that design again, you know, a couple of years later and puts a dead crystal in it to make it red. And it's mm -hmm. still the same basic mm -hmm. weapon because to him, it's a tool to tinker on, whereas you assume Yoda has probably for 900 years for at least 700 of those had his lightsaber the way it's been. <laughs> yeah, Yoda's. I mean, it's hard to make a custom hilt that small. And again, we're implied that that kyber crystals are pretty rare, especially in any kind of mass quantities. Except yeah. for the fact that we kind of get in a feeling from a completely different side of this story of the other side of what kyber crystals can do because starting with an episode from the clone wars that was never finished it only exists as an online featurette on starwars.com to what i know they storyboard it they started the maquettes it was supposed to start out the third like phase of clone wars where anakin and um is kind of wearing his dark jedi robes and he's already got the scar on his face and stuff like that and he has more of his longer hair he'll have in episode three and obi-wan's wearing you know his more episode three costume and it's this planet where there's people that have been smuggling out kyber crystals and we're talking mm. car sized kyber crystals and the Jedi Order is sent to investigate. And sort of the reveal at the end is that Sidious has been doing this. Which leads to the novel Catalyst, which is the prequel novel for Rogue mm -hmm. One, where we found out that Krennic and the Emperor 
and um, Galen uh, Urso have been working with kyber crystals as a power source, an infinite energy power source Mm -hmm. by focusing energy through them. The energy sort of gets amplified. And that all leads to, well, what Galen Urso, Jin's dad, thinks is a renewable power source to make the galaxy more, more, Mm -hmm. more great. Krennic knows what it's going to be, which is the power source for the ultimate weapon, a super compound laser capable of destroying an entire planet by nuking its core. (laughs) And that's where you get to this long arc that you can tell the Lucasfilm story group was building, which is from Clone Wars through Rogue One to New Hope is the Emperor is literally building a lightsaber weapon. A lightsaber laser, yeah. essentially, as the ultimate weapon. So this gift of the Jedi, this noble weapon that represents them as an mm-hmm. order, mm-hmm. is being corrupted into the ultimate <laughs> death weapon, the Death yeah. Star's main cannon. Well, taking what's used for good and using it for evil. Right. I mean, it says a lot. Uh, you know, growing up on the original trilogy... Yeah. Did we know the Death Star was powered by kyber crystals? Who would have thought that, considering that green was not the color of lightsabers and wasn't until <laughs> blue looked bad in Return of the Jedi? Uh-huh, uh-huh, fair point. Yeah, I, if there was, someone can maybe correct us or maybe we'll figure it out. But I don't think in 1978, mm-hmm. people thought the Death Star was powered by the same thing as Luke's lightsaber that you see no. for eight seconds, right? No, I mean, the, the, the TIE fighters shoot green bolts of, of energy, so I think just everyone assumed that that's, like, the same technology is just amped up. Well, the bad guys shoot green, the good guys shoot red. Well, yes, when they're when they're in cockpits. Yeah. Everyone shoots red when they're yeah. using hand yeah, blasters. Yeah, right, right, when we're talking about space. Okay, so, Kyber Crystals. I feel like they're building in importance. I feel like, I mean, we said the Ahsoka novel, that's a couple years old. Um, Master and Apprentice uh, focuses on crystals a lot. It's being talked about in the comics. We talked about it in episode one. We talked about the Darth Vader, the second Darth Vader comic series. We talked about bleeding crystals gets introduced there. That's not that long ago. Well, I think the other thing about it is I think you're going to see that storyline I was saying that's like this animatic on StarWars.com might be in the Disney Plus version of Clone Wars because that might be the third phase of the mm-hmm. show where they're going right into episode three, which mm-hmm. really we don't see in Clone Wars other than like the last three episodes. You can tell, whoa, this animation's better than it was the episode before this because mm-hmm. that was probably the last production order episodes and there's probably about like 12 episodes in between there that we just never saw the work finished on, which maybe that's what we're seeing in D Plus. And that's where I get to the point of like, I say that I think the living force flows through them, but I think you're right that I think when Anna, when Ahsoka, I mean, is guiding the younglings, I think they're making the first time you get a crystal much more of a ritual than any replacements you have because it's more the journey than the actual crystal itself is how I'm kind of interpreting it. Right. Cause the thing, the thing about it is, and I think Ilum's set up for that because the kyber crystals that they're taking for the death star are already green. So no Jedi came up like you shall be green to each one of these ones, <laughs> each one of the, you know, 14 they need for this super laser or whatever. Right, 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 right. I, I think maybe we'll get more information as we go. I think we're bound to learn more about and Kyber. I, and I think by the one I'm holding in my hand, I think you can see that at Galaxy's Edge, the Kyber crystals not only power lightsabers, they power holocrons. Mm-hmm. And I think you're going to get this idea. Okay, hold on. Going off the reservation alert. This is a theory. 
Yeah. We're about to start. Okay. I believe that Rise of the Skywalker, that that the Emperor, my pet theory is that he's going to be a holocron. That the Emperor left behind a holocron that Kylo Ren has been following or Snoke has been following and he ends up with it. And that's how the Emperor comes to be this menace in the in the presence of things. Because I feel Force Ghost is a Jedi thing. But holocrons, now that they're like Disney canon because you can buy one. Something <laughs> from those comic books that I only liked and I used to be on like texting to podcast to correct their information about tales of the Jedi. Cause me and 30 other guys were the only ones that read all of it. <laughs> um, it's amazing. We have holocrons. And now that holocrons are powered by Kyber crystals, I think you might even see Anakin's lightsaber. Why when Ray touches it, does she get all these flashes of memory? I think the Kyber crystals are key to keeping the resonance of force. Yeah. So like the memories, the feelings, maybe not the information, but the, the power, the essence, the connection to those people who have touched it in the force, um, that psychic energy mm. sort of collects in them. And so yeah. when you put it in a holocron, you can sort of reactivate. Well, yeah, the lightsaber being attached to the living force has essentially a memory. Yes. It has an impressionable memory. And the longer it has one wielder, the deeper and harder that impression gets cut into it. That makes sense, yeah. Personally, I'm on board with the uh, Palpatine has been possessing the charred helmet of Vader theory. I just that's I, the one I'm on. Board I'll be for. disappointed by a ghost only because they spend so much time in the prequels establishing that Qui-Gon Ginn's the first person to come back from the nether yeah. realm of the force and that only Obi-Wan and Yoda do it because they learned it from him. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm okay with that, too, because Sidious is going to be the first Sith Lord to be able to do it, Ugh. just like Qui-Gon discovered it in the afterlife. Well, we'll find out. Yeah, we'll find out. But the point of the matter is, again, just speaking to the idea that these crystals hold on to this psychic energy. I think you're right. They're going to keep building this up, and especially as long as you can buy them in blind box packages at Galaxy's Edge, they're going to become more and more entrenched as an important part of canon. Mm -hmm. And I think there's something to be said about that Harry Potter thing we were saying. I think they built that up because they want to have... People go like, my lightsaber color is yellow and it means something to me. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. you know, I've chosen my blade color and that's important. So, I mean, it's personal no matter what. Everybody feels an attachment to a certain color. Right. Even if it doesn't necessarily mean something like I personally really like red, even though I don't necessarily gravitate towards red lightsabers. I think they look good. Right. I, red's know. my favorite color, but red's the color of evil in Star Wars. So I can't I have a red lightsaber away from feel that. bad. Even though Darth Vader's lightsaber's really, really rad. It is really, really rad. Let's buy one. I already own two. Yeah, I have one too. Okay, well, <laughs> we'll be talking more about lightsabers, uh, both the ones we're going to build when we go to Galaxy's Edge. Oh, yeah. And also in the near future, um, one of our smugglers, as we said, has brought back some Galaxy's Edge merch. I know that he was able to build his own lightsaber while he was oh, there. I can't wait to see And it. we'll definitely have him on to talk about that. Yeah, in we'll have a full report future. from Batu in the not so distant future. So stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, just I think Kyber crystals are rad, and remember that they killed Alderaan and are at the heart of every lightsaber. With great, what is the line? With with great light comes great darkness. What does Luke yeah. say in Episode Eight? There's something like that. Powerful light, powerful dark. That's what Correct. it is, right? Am I right? I think that's All right. All right, I need to watch the Last Jedi. Powerful. Oh light, no, not powerful again. Dark. I know. Um. Well, until next time, Mac, until we talk about, until we have more Kyber info, yes. I think we can leave this one be. Yeah, I agree. All right. See you next time.
Welcome back, Star Wars fans. This is Ross, and we are about to talk all about, go all in on, one of my favorite moments from the reemergence of the Disney era of Star Wars, one of the best, most overlooked characters. Mac, who is that? Zoo V. Oh, he's been waiting a week to do that. I've been waiting a week to do that. <laughs> I've been saying that since Force that Force Friday when we went to get Star Wars stuff. Well, remember during the Force Friday toy preview, they used Rufio himself in the yeah, promotion. Remember, he demoed right. that like weird like play set where the ships just spun around. On yeah, because there's that whole uh, live. Um, like they went all night. Yeah, with just so it was like previews. right when the Star Wars show started. That's when they hired some of those people, and that's where it kind of all got started, if I remember correctly. I think you're right because the whole thing about it was that Force Friday was the first one, quote unquote, for realsies since what 2005. Yeah, was there they, something for the Clone Wars? They did have it, but they were trying to recapture the magic of the 99 Force Friday. Well, we will talk about 99 some other time because I have a lot of thoughts on that. But in that, we got a preview of all the different things that were coming out. And we had a whole bunch of characters mm-hmm. and no one really knew much about stuff. Like there were things like, hey, there's a doll of Finn. And now we finally hear what Finn's voice sounds like. And he speaks American. And he doesn't speak with an, uh, you know, a uh, imperial accent. This is crazy. <laughs> and we were just learning all this amazing stuff. And then we saw some of the characters and in the wave of first what 15 figures is constable zuvio yeah so zuvio was interesting because zuvio was in the first wave of three and three quarter inch figures yep and he was in the second wave of black series figures. and we i think so, at that point already knew that he was going to be a black series figure yes uh, we I think as of that night anyway we definitely did so the so he's got to be an important character right, to the movie you've got two figures two peaches of merch coming out and he was on other things he was on folders and you know, it's stuff like backpacks. Like, there were definitely things that had Zuvio on it. You know, kind of the second and third tier of merchandise. But two action figures. Right. How could Zuvio not be important? But if he... I mean, he was like Black Series 7 when they refreshed the boxes and that first wave, second wave of Force Awakens. Uh, Black Series figures. I mean, he's him and the Guavian Death Gang member are so cool. They must be important. Absolutely. And so, here's the important thing about it is those of you who are listening to this who aren't really into the EU legends and periphery material, you're probably going count who? Constable what? Because unfortunately Zuvio does by like a frame make it uh, yeah. into the Force Awakens. Yeah, there's at least 3, 4, 5 frames of Zuvio in there. But he is uh He's not worthy of a Black Series action figure existing of him. Well, here, all right, we're going to talk about that more in a minute. But I just want to say, you have a character with design this good. Yeah. With this beautiful red and green color scheme. (laughs) These fantastic glowing yellow eyes. And I buy not one, but two action figures of him. And he's not even in the movie. I got to tell you, Matt, (laughs) I love it. I absolutely (laughs) love it. Think about all the figures of things we got growing up. Now, you and I both grew up in the Power of the Force 2 era, so we were not collecting the vintage, well, what are now considered the vintage figures. Um, We were not, you know, collecting the original Power of the Force line and the coins and all of the Jabba's Palace characters that aren't actually really ever in the movie, right? You know, this is not unprecedented. I mean, Star Wars has made toys for things that 
are never even planned to be in the movie. They're never even planned to be in the script. Right. Star right, Wars right. merchandises. And this was a character who was originally meant to have a little bit of a scene. And yeah. it was cut. And you know what? At the time, I just laughed because I thought it was funny. And I really do well, like that because, character's design. Because by that point, let's just read a little bit of tale. So you and I met him in the run-up to the merchandise. Yeah. So I actually have a picture from that Force Friday. We were second in line <laughs> that year. The only year yes. we weren't first in line because we both had to work. And we were buying our Sphero BB-8s, convincing our boss to, to sell let them us to sell us like to three us hours early. early. Because we were leaving for the day and neither of us were working the next day. And we had because we had called Heroes off so we BBA. could do Fr- uh-huh. Force so, Fridays all night. <laughs> yeah, right? You remember now. I do remember. So, good. I thought you might. So I was looking through the pictures and in one of them, I'm, I've kind of got kind of like an armful of three and three quarter inch figures. And the one on the very end, I'm kind of holding on to it with my thumb, is the Zuvio from that night. Gotcha. The Black Series didn't come out till. Eh, probably like mid-November when the second wave came out. So, right. you know, it didn't come out. Probably eh, probably more like October. But, you know, didn't have that yet. But I had the three and three quarter inch because for whatever reason I got in my mind that I'm going to buy all the three and three quarter inch for the new films going forward. That didn't last. <laughs> but at the time, I was lucky enough, even being second in line, not first, to get them all that night. But, yeah, I had a Zuvio. Uh, I liked it. I You know, I liked the design. And then... December 15th comes and goes. We watched the movie. Well, and let's just also set this stage. We thought Zuvio looked really cool. So Zuvio is a um, Kizu, I think is the name of the species, yeah. which was established I don't know in... if that's how you pronounce it, but you would know better than I would. Um, I think it's... I think it's that. Now no, you want me... It's like K-U-Z-O-S, right? It's like K-Y-U-Z-O. K- okay. Kizu? 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 I thought it was Kizu. I anyway. just looked this up because I didn't realize... That Embo from the Clone yeah, I was Wars say, was that's this where they, species. Uh, I didn't. Th- know. That's where they introduced it, and Embo's an important character because it's like voiced by uh, Dave Filoni. Like it was a character he kind of thought up. So it seemed like Zuvio was set to be an important character because it was like establishing this species as one of the new canon species that we're going to. Yeah, it was see the first time of. we had seen it on film, and you know what? I wrote it down in my notes. I just didn't look when you were asking. It is K Y U Z O. Okay, so Kyozo. Kyozo. Say it kind of like with the I don't think anyone's ever pronounced it like in canon, so I don't know. But Embo and Zuvio are definitely the two canon members of this species. And like I said, that had been yeah, established in Clone Wars. So I just figured that this was important. This was like mm-hmm. going to be a character that was interesting. And we are given that he was like, especially the card on the back was like, he's the only form of law on Jakku. Right. We didn't know anything about Jakku at this time either. So you right? and I were kind of, people, of into him. We thought, yeah. oh, he's just he's he and the the Guavian, you know, Death Squad and all these characters have equal chances of being important. And then yeah. as we got closer, Zuvio already had a reputation by the time we got to December, which was he was the king of the peg warmers. He absolutely was, both in the three and three quarter and in the black series. Absolutely a peg warmer. Like One the- day though, they're gonna go up, I swear. And at some point, I kind of go, I wonder if that played into the cutting room choices, is that character didn't test well after everything that had been done. Uh, yeah, I mean, the idea was, right, so he's the constable Yeah, he's at the, Nima Outpost, so he's the law, right. right? He was going to essentially interfere in the scene where Finn eventually, you know, attempts to assist Ray. She actually right. takes down Unkar Plutt's thugs on her own. But where her and Finn essentially meet, he was going to go and assist her in the beating up of the thugs. Sure. Now, 
I don't, I'm not a big fan of reading into the Star Wars we don't have. You right. know, what was on the cutting what room floor? Been. What are those secrets? That's not for me to decide. That's not for me to really even worry about because why? I want to focus on the Star Wars we have. I want to focus on what I love about it and what we see in it. And so if this scene didn't work or it didn't need to be in there, there was something that uh, you know, the wasn't whole team was unhappy with. Yeah. It's, it is what it is. It's fine. For me, it gave me a character that, is a really great memory. You know, he's got a really great memory attached to it. That force Friday, that lead up to the movie, you know, when we watched all seven of those movies in a theater together, you know, in December, well, uh, all of that is tied to this memory of Zuvio. So to me, it's fun. Cause it, it ties back to me to the original force Fridays. And I remember getting at one point, I got a guest Gano, a, a guest Gano figure, the one pod racer with the yeah. four arms. And I was like, Oh, I wonder what he's going to be like. He's going to probably be really, really cool. And he waves in the movie and that's it. And if I never played the N64 game Pod Racer, I would know nothing about Gascano. <laughs> because again, they were making figures of everything. And excuse me. You're okay. Um, they were making figures of everything. And so Zuvio just turned out to be that of like, well, this character might be in there enough that someone will like him, so we'll make a figure of it, not knowing that, you know, months down the line, well after the sculpt is done and the mass manufacturing's happening, that that character might not go. And we know for a fact that Force Awakens was being tweaked till like the zero hour before they had to send the digital prints out. Because another scene that you can see in the merchandising was like the fact that there is a Lego snowspeeder from the snowspeeder chase that was removed from the movie at the last minute. Is, so I don't know anything about that. Is that something we know of for sure? I oh, yeah. Because it's one of those instances of Lego making something that. Well, Lego's lead times are like a year or two. Okay. Like, so they would have had to make those decisions based on the script and maybe some of the storyboards and maybe the art department finalizing the design. And we know that it must be late because it's intact and finished on the um, bonus features. Oh, you I can, didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, you can watch or the entire Snowspeeder thing, whereas Zuvio oh, is not. I'm sorry. I'm thinking about when they did the sand, like the brown version of the Hoth Snowspeeder. You're oh, talking oh, about. I'm talking about the snowspeeder, the first mean, order snowspeeder. When speeder. Kylo was supposed to go to the Falcon. I know what you're talking so about. So I'm just Never using mind. that to illustrate the fact that yeah. Zuvio, we, we don't know when he was cut, but he was either cut shortly before Force Fridays or a little bit after that. But it's definitely one of those things of like, again, Hasbro wouldn't have lit a black series figure if he wasn't expected to be something. Like if he wasn't expected to have at least enough screen time. Yeah. And remember. All of this is just our thoughts and opinions. Well, we don't, I still think, uh, I again, mean, manufacturing... I just don't like to presume anything. Here's my thing. There's sure. not an Unker plot, or Unker plot who is a much more important character. Yeah, he's so, in the three and three quarter. Well, but I'm just saying, like, well, perfect example. He's yeah. not a black series. Yeah. Like, someone thought this character was going to be more important than they were. That yeah. is 100% a thing. Oh, yeah. That I can agree with. I can get on but, board with that. But we did get some of his character because there was some other supplementary here. I remember there was... Yes. Um, it's in one of the... It's like a short story collection or Tales something, Tales and right? Creatures Volume 1, I believe it's called. Okay. Uh, I didn't crack open the book. I do have it uh, at my place. But I did go back and reread uh, the digital version. Okay. Because I have that. And uh, I don't remember if that was one of the ones that was originally released just as a short story. I think they I think most of have. them were because I think then it was, was like published that. as the collection. Because I think it was that because it was like High Noon on Jakku was the one we're talking about. Mm -hmm. There was also the 
it's a little too amateur room, but I adore it, which is the um, Crimson Corsair and the Lost Treasure of Count Dooku. Oh, I love that one, too. I love that one. It's so dumb and so pulpy. Um, but High Noon Jakku is where you kind of get the idea of, like, he's one of the most decent. Is that the right word? I think that's the right way to put it. He's a lawman, and he's honest. He's not... Yes taking bribes on the side. He's not looking the other way for Ankar Plutt. He is a lawman. He's he's doing the right thing. He's, and there are actually two other, he has two deputies there, whose mm-hmm. names I didn't write down because I only wanted to talk about Zuvio. But I also <laughs> wanted to point that out. He At least it wasn't like a three-pack we had to buy. That would have been great. The Jakub Justice three-pack <laughs> featuring Count Zuvio and mm-hmm. Deputy One mm-hmm. and Deputy Two. Exactly. So... <laughs> Yes, not good enough for names. They did have names, but anyway. So we have uh, High Noon on Jakku by Landry Q. Walker. Okay. And what do you remember about it? I remember liking it, but what do you I, The what biggest do you think? thing I remember is, it, it. I just remember that I'm pretty sure I read it in because it was part of the you know journey to The Force Awakens. I'm pretty sure I read it, and again, you and I convinced ourselves that Zuvio was going to be this great character. Like, we knew he wasn't going to be a big character, but we had convinced ourselves of, like, we ironically love Rick Olay from episode one, and we thought he was going to be the Rick Olay. Like, he's going to be this relatively minor character, but we're going to love the crap out of him. Just Yeah, we picked just... him before we saw the movie is essentially what we're saying. We put him on a pedestal before I, we knew. And I remember after, like, we were done fanboying at the end, we were just like, oh, my God, there's so much in, in Force Awakens. There's so much to see. It's so good. It's so interesting. So much stuff. Hey, you know what, though? You know who wasn't in there? <laughs> I don't remember when we realized. I don't know if it was the car ride home, if it was like that next morning before our second showing. Yeah. But Somewhere I do in the remember. Somewhere we yeah. after glue, we noticed that. Zuvio was missing, and I think no, I think we were talking about it before we went into the second one. We was like, we got to keep an eye out. He must have been in yeah, there. Yeah, we just missed it. We just missed. We it. just missed it. And you have to understand, we had been in a theater for twenty four hours. That's true. We waited an hour just to get crappy Cheeto dusted mozzarella sticks, just to have some sustenance. That's how crazy this theater was. We had been there since like midnight the night before for the marathon. Yeah, we could. I think we're just we were pretty adrenaline and Coca Cola is yeah. what we were running on at that Kringle point. Kringle mix. So when we, that's right. Oh, that's a time. That's a tale yeah, for another time. I can't get into the Kringle Coca Cola mix. But anyway, we were tired. Very. So at, by the next morning, we had realized. Wait a minute. Something is missing. Something isn't right. Yeah. And on our second watching, we one hundred percent realized. Zuvio is essentially. I mean, well, I no, didn't no, no, know no, until no. the home. Zuvi wa- wasn't in the movie. Yeah, he was. Oh not god, in the movie. he's not even in the movie now. Just for clarity, when the Millennium Falcon is leaving Nema Station, it swings around and comes like kind of past the station. Mm-hmm. And if you look and freeze frame for a couple of like for just a handful of frames, you can see Zuvio kind of near the city arch, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly, and he's just kind of like like. Trying to go, what am I going to do to fix this chaos? <laughs> and it's like right after that, like Unker plot runs past. It's like, that's my ship. Like, it's right in that sequence that we see the only like real look at Zuvio. And I think he might be in the background and maybe a couple other scenes. But like, that's the only one you can say that is Zuvio. That is that six inch black figure series only <laughs> canon appearance. So all I want to say, Hasbro, is if you can give me a six inch of Zuvio. I really would really be grateful 
if I could have a six inch of Sarko plank. Sarko plank. You remember the, Sarko? Uh, yeah. We're going to do a who, whole topic wait, wait, wait. on him some other time. And you time. see him when you when you see she him. arrives. Yep. He, because he's in the background, you see him more. He has more screen time He has more Zuvio. screen time than Zuvio and has less merchandise than Zuvio. He just has the three and three quarter. Okay. So, all right. We'll get on that. Hasbro, Sarko plank six inch, please. Okay. Thank you. Okay. So, the high noon on Jakku <laughs> story. Let's go ahead and spoil that. Uh, you know, <laughs> one thing we haven't talked about on Star Wars All In is... By going all in on something, we are going to fully spoil it. I mean, 100% of the time. I don't think think. we really have to say that. If you don't want to know more about Zuvio, you shouldn't be this far into the podcast. Yeah, okay. So, Zuvio spoiler warning. If you're planning on reading High Noon on Jakku, which I definitely recommend, that whole, I recommend picking up the novel. It's a young adult book, so it's not expensive. If you haven't read it in the last four years. It's good. It's, it's good. good. There's some fun. other good stories in it, too. But we'll talk about those. Here, you break time. it down. It's... Yeah. So Hanun on Jakku, I'm just going to give actually the overview because sure. it's not long, you know, 20 pages or so. But basically, Zuvio is following a trail. He yeah. knows someone stole a ship. There aren't that many people in Nima yeah. Outpost. It's a small list of subjects. He's trying to figure it out. Essentially, follows the tracks, ends up out in the middle of the desert. Mm-hmm. and realizes a droid that was an assistant in the constable's office had essentially been hacked yeah. to steal the ship. And Zuvio has a shootout with the droid. He uh, incapacitates it. He discovers who the real criminal is, locks them up in jail, yep. I believe forever. <laughs> I think they say it's a life sentence, yeah. which is a little harsh, but... Hey, he's a man of the law. It's frontier justice. That's right. Oh, boy. I am so excited about the concept of wild, unknown space finally being explored in the galaxy edge stuff. Cinema. Like, yeah. 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 We've gotten it, obviously, in the EU and in Legends. Oh, but like oh, the Mandalorian, oh, Mandalorian. Now we're getting it. I am ready. But let's not talk about that right now. So <laughs> it's a good short story. It's fine. It lets you know more about Zuvio and who he is as a character. Uh, if you love reading Star Wars stuff like I do, I absolutely recommend it. If you love Zuvio or even like Zuvio, similar to the way Mac and I do, I recommend it. If you could care less about Zuvio and, you know, these sort of short little, um, shall we say, like stereotypical stories. I mean, in a lot of ways, they are. They're very tropey. It's it's a very wide Earp story. I mean, it's very just long arm of justice trying to deal with a lawless place. And he finds a criminal, has a shootout, and it gets violent. And, you know, it's pretty... It's pretty standard fare, but it's fun to have it in that Star Wars yeah. twist. So check it out. I think that's all I need to say. Zuvio, I need a Zuvio pop. I don't think there ever was one, as far as I know. Uh, I will double check, because I'm just thinking of it. Well, um, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Zuvio is one of those characters that I hope, actually, we get to see more of. Especially if you know Rise of Skywalker lies to us, and they actually go back to Jakku, or Tatooine, or whatever that... <sighs> I'm holding strong my prediction that the end of the rise of Skywalker will somehow get us back to Tatooine. We'll see. I, I, the point is there's already too many desert planets and count Zuvio was one of the things that made Jakku a little constable is a little bit different. A count would be a much no, higher no, status. No, no, no. I was thinking of, again, the Crimson Corsair and the yeah. Lost Treasure of Count Dooku. Another great story in that book, but that's a story for another time. So for now, let's just say that we like Zuvio. I love Zuvio. Somewhat ironically. Um, it's not ironic. It's true and it's passionate. For me, anyway. I don't speak it's for It's somewhat me. ironic. Um, and, uh, and it's also 
thanks to growing up and knowing the movie Hook, it's still one of the most fun names to say in Star Wars. I can get on board with that. Zuvio! Next topic. All right. Another episode of Star Wars All In, basically in the can. Well, Mac, I'll tell you, after that record session. After a hard day I feel like putting my feet up and cracking open a cold beverage. But not just any cold beverage. No, no, no. The Star Wars official Coca-Cola. Yes. Canon now. You know, everyone calls these thermal detonators. I think it doesn't just make supposed... sense when you think about it, does it? I think it? they're just space balls. Because this cap, this metal cap on the top, that's not real metal, it's plastic. But it's just, it's surreal. It's not the thermal detonator we see on, Bosch hold use. Hold on. Oh, there it is. That was good. Mine. That was yours? good. All right, all right. Here we go. Here we go. Oh. Yep, yep. And then we take it. By the way, you know this this cap's tight enough. You didn't have to take it off. Okay. It holds so on real what tight. What we have here is a Coca-Cola Christmas ball. Yes. If you've seen that before, it is that same I bottle but... with a new wrapping. And the wrapping is we both got classic Coke. We did not get the Diet Coke or Sprite, Sprite. varietals. But we'll get them next time. Well, we absolutely hey, you're going to Galaxy's Edge again next year. Uh, yeah, I know. I'm, I unfortunately will probably not be there. I'm so jealous because our smuggler friend who got these for us went to the opening of Orlando yeah. and brought us back many treasures. And I will treasure him forever for what he did for us. Uh-huh. And then I'm going back with, uh, I'm going back with him essentially a little less than a year from now to Anaheim where mm-hmm. for celebration. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're gonna get more stuff. And I love this this design because it's got you've got the Arabish version of the Coca Cola label, mm-hmm. um, which I worked hard to get the T shirt from Celebration of that because yep. Arabish is so cool to me. And I love that even the nutrition facts are in that like it reads it's English glyphs, but they're cut like they're Arabish letters. Yeah, they have some of the same so style cool. choices. Now here's the question. Let's try this. Let's see if they okay. taste any different. Cheers to you, Mister. Okay. Uh, there's your ASMR moment for our podcast. That is refreshing. Um, you know what? I'm sure it tastes exactly like every other Coke, but it tastes a little more Star Warsy. Well, I will tell you, it is 11 p.m. local time. We both worked a long, hard day. We did. It's tiring. It is. A little Coca-Cola kick. A I won't be more- able to sleep. A little more energy right here at the end of the day when we don't uh, need it. Let's record another episode tonight. Oh, oh, Mac dropped his Coca-Cola, but we are OK. The lid it's, was on. It's on. Uh, I will say while this cap is tight enough to turn the thing, I uh, don't trust its weight. to. Well, the cap. I think the thing is up until you turned it, it was probably OK. Oh, uh, that's my that might be true. So, wh- yes. When you get one in your hand, we'll see. This is not all in on Coca-Cola in the Star Wars universe. Yet. I'm waiting until they mention it. I also, haven't read just the, for the record, Spire Outpost book yet. Maybe it's in there. Maybe my favorite about part about this is, no joke, Coca-Cola is officially canon. It exists in the Star Wars universe. It fell through some black hole. Someone has reverse engineered it. For some reason, Coca-Cola's reach grows back into a galaxy mm-hmm. long mm-hmm. ago in a galaxy far, far away. Thank I love God this. it's Coke and not Pepsi, right? Well, I mean, it's not surprising because it's Disney, but yeah. but who's to know? Maybe the Cola Wars will be the next Star Wars. Ryan Johnson presents the Cola Wars. Or, or you know what actually needs to happen? 
Pepsi and Mountain Dew need to show up in a Star Trek movie. That's what we need is to be yes, make the Pepsi battle lines. Needs to be Trek canon. It needs that to... feels right, doesn't it? Well, it has to go that way now. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. And who gets RC Cola? RC Cola. Battlestar, Battlestar Galactica, represented to you by RC Cola. The Babylon AD remake. I liked, uh, I think it was Rebel Force Radio that says the three stars, Star Wars, Star Trek, Battlestar, and Star Search. (laughs) All right. So, Mac, we had a great show tonight. We did. I had a lot of fun. We did. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Anything we forgot? I feel pretty good. Well, one thing we can say now that we're live is, first off, we're just getting started. Um... This is our first podcast since we've launched. We've been launched for just a couple days right now, and we're already flattered by how many people are listening. Okay, we're a little intimidated by already how many people are listening. We're very excited by it. Um, it's really, really rad. And if you've already listened, thank you. Thank you for Absolutely. sharing it. Thank you so much. Um, thank you for um, thank you for already being here on the ground floor of All In. We appreciate that you're all in on Star Wars All In. Um, but one thing that we need to start reminding people here in the appendices are, um, a thing that really helps get our show going, which is iTunes reviews. Um, Mm -hmm. if you're listening to the show and you've enjoyed any of our, uh, six episodes now, um, we do really encourage you to, uh, stop by, especially as we're getting started and leaving an iTunes review. Um, any feedback is welcome. Obviously we would welcome five star reviews more than, one star reviews, but honestly, we want any feedback that you can give us, and we appreciate you giving us an honest review and helping the show grow by feeding that particular algorithm that lets people in the podcasting network know that there's a new Star Wars show that they might enjoy by, again, just giving the tip of the cap and saying, hey, I love this show. The show's pretty good. You might like it if, and just informing your fellow fans of what you like yeah. about it or what you think this show is about so people can find us. Yeah, you know, we, we talked about this a little bit last episode, but all we really want is to share our fandom with other Star Wars fans. Right. We want to meet other Star Wars fans. We want to talk to them. We want to hear from them. We decided to not have a news-based or a current event based Star Wars podcast because honestly we like to focus on the Star Wars we already have and not look down the road as much to, at well, what's coming and I I just want to meet more fans, meet more friends, make more Star Wars friends well, and embrace an ocean... the absolute positive side of the Star Wars community. There's a whole ocean of people kicking around the current events in Star Wars, especially again time stamping this. We're right on the eve of Rise of Skywalker coming mm-hmm. out. It's it's in our future, and obviously we're excited about it. We want to talk about it, but it can get kind of exhausting listening to the same minutia kicked around a lot. So we wanted to just sort of celebrate the series as it goes, and we hope you've been enjoying this. The conversations that we're having, the conversations we're excited to have you part of. Uh, I can't wait to start hearing feedback of people what you know what we said wrong, what they thought they liked, <laughs> uh, what they enjoyed, and 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 eventually, I mean, you know. I think a lot of our topics are not going to be coming from us in the future. They're going to be suggested by our audience. Yeah, we would really love to know what you'd like to hear us talk about. Yeah, I mean, uh, I've, I've already had someone come to me like, I was listening to your podcast, it's pretty cool, and I, I think it's really cool you guys are doing that. Hey, by the way, I have an idea. And <laughs> and he pitched me one, and I'm like, oh, that's, that's going in our note of topics, because that's a really good one. So... Uh, again, we want you to be part of this conversation and, um, you know, we're going to keep having guests. We're going to keep trying to have more voices on here. 
Um, and so again, as we, as we tip back at the kind of these Coca-Colas are sort of the wine smashed about the ship as it leaves the port, <laughs> we're officially out there. We're officially out on the internet and we're glad to be out here with you. Absolutely. So thank you to those that have listened. Thank you to those who are continuing to listen. And we look really forward to getting to know you. And until then, may the force be with you. This production is not endorsed by any other property and is the sole responsibility of Mac Purvis III, Ross Grico, and those involved in its production. It is meant for entertainment purposes only. Other than content provided by this production's providers, all music, movie clips, and sound bites, rights are reserved, and their respective owners have not endorsed any aspect of this show. Copyright 2019.